Welcome to the Rooted Legacy Podcast. At Laurel Branch Church of God, we are devoted to developing an environment of engagement with Yahweh and hosting His presence attentively. Our hope is to help others become rooted in beloved identity and further the kingdom of God on this earth. From Pastor Seth Klein and the congregation at Laurel Branch Church of God, we hope this message brightens your day and changes your life. We pray that God blesses you and all that you do. Thanks for listening. Turn your Bible to Ephesians chapter four this morning, and I'm going to teach primarily out of uh, Ephesians four. Probably jump back into Ephesians one and. Cover probably half a dozen more other scriptures because uh, this that's one of the Lord placed on my heart this morning. So uh, it, uh, let me let me go ahead and tell you this. Let me let me give you a little bit of uh, encouragement. Work with me, and I'll get you out of here faster this morning. How about that? You know, communicate with me, and 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 and, and uh, you know, uh, let me know that you're getting it. And, and I won't try to just cram it down your throat so hard this morning, and, and we'll get out of here a little bit earlier. And uh, you can go home and say, I went to church, a large red church of God, and was not force fed this morning. Amen. Hallelujah. I'm going to refresh, review. I say refresh because refresh is on my heart, and I believe that that's what the Lord is wanting to do in this, uh, this air, in this time. Uh, I, I said long ago that I won't use the terminology that God is seasonal or that God sends anything seasonally in the fact that he himself is eternal. So, you know, God is 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 forever the same. He is unchanging. He's the, he's the same uh, today, yesterday, and tomorrow. So how, how, do we, how do we explain a God who never changes by a God that sends things that are continually changing? Here, here's what I want to answer that to. One of the words that I've been on here lately is now, but yet to come. See, it's the here's here's how I believe, and the Lord spoke this again or reminded me here this morning. It's not that God sends things seasonally; it's that God sends things in relationship to how we perceive them. So it's 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 actually a, a matter of fact that God has prepared everything for you and I. Already, which means that it is in existence and it is in preparations now. But it may not be time for us to receive it only based on how we perceive it. Let me say that again. God has already accomplished everything in your life that he needs you to be the victor over. Amen. He's already accomplished everything that you need to succeed. He's already accomplished everything that you may deem as a necessity. He's already given it to you. But he only gives it to you, and or he, we only receive it in how we perceive it. He only sends it in relation to how we see it. That's how we receive it. So if we can't see it yet, we can't receive it now. Say what I'm saying. So that's why I've been on this. I don't. I don't want to say kick, but I've been on this uh, <clears throat> reminder from Jesus on an occasion, actually a frequent occasion, to tell you that. When we get the invitation to come up hither and he can change our, out, our, our altitude and our elevation, 
He then, he then puts us in position to where we can see a little bit further down the road. See, let me explain this to you. Back in the, when hunt season was in, and this, I love, there's a spot in this holler that has absolutely stole my heart for this holler. <clears throat> and I, yeah, I know, like we do. We say holler around here. Y'all say holler or hollow. If y'all say hollow, there's the door. <clears throat> anyway, <clears throat> potato, potato, it don't matter. I'm just kidding. Come on. We say holler for the most part. And Brian Kennedy, I don't know what he says half the time. He's in a Pinky. Pinky's up. <laughs> yeah. If y'all ever need anybody to translate what Brian said, that's the Holy Ghost. I don't know. <laughs> anyway. Bless God. And he preached last Sunday and I was the butt of his joke. So anyway. <laughs> Glory. <laughs> we, we love each other, you know. So anyway, there's a place in this holler that once you come around the bend, it's not in direct alignment with, because nothing in West Virginia runs straight, right? <laughs> That's as straight as the way and narrow, or as straight as the gate narrows the way. That's biblical. But in West Virginia, nothing's straight. Everything's narrow, but nothing's straight. But there's a place when you come around this curve on the mountain, you can see every street light and porch light in Laurel Branch. Okay? I cannot see uh, 100 yards that way. I can't see 30 yards that way. And I can't see anything behind me in the location that I am now. So sometimes God has got to call you into higher elevations and higher altitudes so that he can then begin to extend your side of view. Come on. See, everything in this holler exists in the moment, but I can't see it now. But there is a place and there is a posture yet to come that when I position myself there, he will then begin to extend my side of view and I can see everything as clearly as it was intended for me to see. So that's how I explain God has done, done everything that he has, it was needed for him to do on Calvary's cross to tell us that it is finished. Okay? That gentleman's cure for cancer was finished on the cross. That lady's cure for, for, for Alzheimer's was, was completed and it was finished on the cross. The cure for every affliction that ails humanity was completed and fulfilled on the cross. But sometimes we can't, we can't receive the fulfillment until we can perceive it's finished. Come on, somebody. Amen. It's finished. Huh? It's finished. You know, here, here's the thing. You know what? This, this is kind of, it is kind of relational to the story of how it is. Uh, I, I thought I was going to be a mountain man and, and, and kill a deer with a recurve bow over this weekend. And, you know, I, you can ask Randy. Uh, we drove to Cabela's after work one evening, and I brought everything home, put everything on this bow that I needed, bought arrows, put the inserts in them. Uh, and I shot that bow after driving to Charleston and back until 1.30 in the morning, got up and went to work. I was dedicated. I was devoted. I was going to do this. I was going to be the best that I could be. And I, 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 I watched videos. I researched. I read. I, I, I adjusted here and I adjusted there. And nothing, no matter what I did, I mean, I could take field tips and I could shoot them what I could have would have considered a seven and a half on a scale of ten. But the broadheads would not shoot 
the way that I needed them to shoot. And that, that, that's, that's common in archery. The broadheads begin, to, they, they plane, and it's like wings on a plane. And they'll, they'll veer to the right, they'll veer to the left, they'll dive, they'll take flight, and they'll raise in elevation. And it's just very hard to tune it. And, and, you know, and, and I really was, over the last week, was frustrated to the point where I really didn't feel like myself. And finally, yesterday, me and Dad was out in the yard, and we were shooting, 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 and trying everything, everything we could think of. And finally, I handed him his bug back, and I said, here, take it, put it up, I'm done. I'm done. I'm not going to go. I'm not going to do it. And the Lord spoke to me, and he said, see there? He said, it doesn't matter what you do. He said, if the head isn't in the right position, no matter what you do, what, no matter what you do strategically, systematically, no matter what you tweak, and no matter what you adjust, you will never get sufficient flight out of the arrow. And he was telling me that in reference to if Jesus is not the head of the church, if Jesus is not appropriately affixed as the head of the church, everything the church does will fail. I can tweak, I can, I can adjust, I can take away, I can add, I can turn, and I can, I, I can, I can do whatever it is I want to do, but it will not fly right. It will not fly straight, and it will not fly narrow. It will not. But anyway, as, as the Lord continues to teach me over some of the things that I just had to give up, he said, sometimes the greatest victory is surrender. I feel more at peace by trying, by quitting, trying to conquer that bow. Now I feel as though I have conquered myself or conquered, the, I have conquered the old self again by way of his grace and by way of his peace of mind, by just laying it down. I woke up with a better peace. You, you may not know me, but I, am, I have always been uh, obsessed with archery. I've always been obsessed with being the best and being, being, being very confident in my arrow flight, being very confident in my mechanics, being very confident in the fact that if that deer shows up within 40 yards, I know before I even draw my string that I'm going to put my arrow where it needs to be put. And so I, I've been very confident. So it's been very frustrating to me to not be any good at all. Literally, I looked at that and I said, I think I, I said, I've got a million excuses, but I just suck. I'm bad. I'm a, and there's a, there's there's a myriad of different things that can play a role in in obstructing or or you know bad arrow flight, and I, I'm aware of that. But again, I didn't have adequate time to try to to fix the twerking or not twerk, excuse me, <laughs> tweak. Thank you, whoever said that. Yeah. So anyway. I don't know where I was going with that, but hope, you know, maybe I bless you with sometimes the greatest victory is actually in surrender because I, I know, the, what I was trying to conquer by way of my own abilities was actually conquering me. When we try to conquer things on our own, we are destined to fail. But when we will actually understand that everything that I need to be a conqueror in this world was completed and finished on the cross, it will allow you to perceive things in a different light. And if we can perceive things in the light of Jesus, then we will receive it in the victory of Jesus. And then therefore, thus we are more than a conqueror. 
You know what the biggest thing about humanity is? Is we got it. We want to. We want to seal the deal with look what I've done. I did it. I accomplished it. I was the successful one in that matter. I beat that one. I did this one. I, it doesn't matter. When we, when we try to do ministry that way with look what I've done and look where I've come from and look where I'm headed, you are destined to fail. But until you start following that straight and narrow and, 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 and allow yourself to understand that everything that you need in life was accomplished by him. And then you begin to perceive and you begin to then believe that everything that I do that has nothing to do with me. And it goes back to everything that comes in the, the form of revival comes effortless. Why? Because he brought revival on the cross. He brought restoration on the cross. He brought reclamation back to humanity on the cross. He brought reconciliation of humanity back to divinity on the cross. And we've got to understand when we keep trying to do something on our own accord, we will fail on our own accord. It's time that we lay it down and don't pick it back up so that we can rest easily and we can sleep assured and know that when I get up in the morning, I will wake up with a new with a new spirit and a new heart and He will lead me and guide me. I tried to conquer something that I did not have the ability to conquer. But I conquered it by submitting myself to Jesus, saying, I'm laying it down. That, listen, that's not what I'm preaching today, but I gave it to you for five minutes. Come on. Y'all work with me. We'll get out of here. I want to preach what, the, what I study for. Bless the Lord. Yes, amen. Jesus, come on. Frank, go ahead and take a lap. Yeah. <laughs> take a lap, Frank. Come on. Victory lap. <clears throat> So everything is now, but sometimes it's yet to come does not mean that it isn't now, okay? Everything has been conquered on the cross. It's just how we perceive it. it how we perceive it then determines how we receive it and how soon we receive it, okay? I'm getting ready to talk to y'all about some stuff that I, I, I told God. I said, you know what, Lord? You told me to prophesy that two years ago in another region. He said, I did, but they didn't receive it. He said, I did, I did tell you, and you did prophesy the exact way I told you to. He said, but they didn't receive it. I began to prophesy, let it rain. Some of you may already know, I've sent this, uh, just as the new year began, as 2018 came to a close and 2019 came uh, to an open, I heard a word from the Lord that, uh, as I was sitting there, Brian was preaching that morning and I was sitting over there and uh, the Lord just brings back to my remembrance a conversation that I've had. He said, you know what? He said, you've been praying for the rain and praying for the rain and praying for the rain. In, in so much, you've been praying for rain so that the ground in which you sow your seed upon would be softened enough to receive to receive the seed that you sow. He said, but yet I've sent the rain in the ground of the salt and you complain about mud. Hmm? It's how we perceive things. I, if I had perceived it correctly, I would have never perceived it as mud. I would have perceived it as a blessing because God sent the inadequate amount of rain that was sufficient enough to soften up the ground so that I could sow my seed. So what if we're not in the sowing season? God is not seasonal. 
Because it's raining, we're looking, we're raining now, right and it not being the planting season, we don't appreciate the rain. But the rain, God, what God is doing in the natural can be very symbolic of what He's doing in the spiritual. And if we're trying for the word of Jesus to be received in the hearts of the people, we've got to understand that it's not mud, that He's softening the ground so that we can then sow and it be received. Maybe he's softening hearts. Hmm? Ryan said last week, what, what, what if somebody comes to you and it don't matter what their history or their track record is, maybe they have been what we would call a drug addict. Maybe they have been what we would call not really a standout citizen. Maybe they have been a nuisance or a menace to society. Huh? Maybe they have been. Maybe they have. But what they have been does not need to be and it should not be what they are now or yet to come. What if God has sent enough rain into that individual's heart that it's softened enough that we would receive the seed that we cast and sow upon it, but all we see is mud? What if we, we tiptoe and we walk around mud all day long? We don't want to get our feet dirty. Jesus will take care of it. He girded by himself with a towel, took a basin of water, and washed his disciples' feet. You know, listen, latest term, honey. The disciples' feet was dirtier than your neighbor's behind. <laughs> dirtier than your neighbor's mud. Because on their feet was evidence and residue of everywhere they had ever been, but it did not matter to the now and to the yet to come because he washed and cleansed every residue of every sin of where they had been off their feet and made them new and run a refreshing into their hearts and into their lives and sent them out into the community to do the same thing that he had done for them. Come on. <clears throat> so it don't matter. A bunch of religious men brought a woman caught in the act of adultery in hopes to attract Jesus with how he handled it. And guess what Jesus did? He knelt down and put his hands in the dirt. Now I stole that from that cover of Daniel Thompson. He said sometimes God will stoop down and put his finger in your dirt. But we will, we will, we will turn away and we'll tiptoe and walk around and we'll avoid mud all day long because we don't want to get our shiny shoes messed up. And the Lord says, quit praying for rain if you want to complain about the mud. If you see the ground begin to turn soft, he said, then it's time to sow. And I'm not talking about harvest. I'm not talking about the planting season. I'm talking about the eternal God that says, now you have opened up your eyes to the truth and now is a day that was yet to come, but it has come already. The kingdom of God is at hand. But Jesus said also, the kingdom Kingdom of God is now. Things are now, but yet to come, only by way of how we perceive them. There, 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 listen, I'll tell you, there's a reality, and a reality is a truth that there is an ability for man to be simultaneously in this earth and in the heavens at the same time. 
I'm glad you brought that up, God. I'm going to show you right here in just a second. I don't like to pull out my cell phone forget actually where I am with that at. But anyway. Anyway, I'll, talk, I'll bring it to you later. I don't remember where it's at, but it's in the Bible. That Paul, oh yeah, hold on, I'm glad, thank you, Lord. <laughs> it was Jesus with me, I forgot all about where that was at. Y'all see how Jesus works? Anybody believe that wasn't Jesus? Y'all can burst the door. I mean, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Now I gotta remember which, record, which translation I was reading that out of. Anyway. If you will, turn to Revelation chapter 1. Thank you, Lord. <laughs> See, I may pull out of myself. I believe what he says about me. Thank you, Brown, for singing that this morning. I believe. Okay, in Revelation chapter 1, it wasn't Paul, by the way. It was, it was John, John on the island of Patmos. John says this, I was in the spirit on the Lord's day and heard behind me a great voice of, as of a trumpet. Now, I want to open up to that. I want to come back to that chapter and those couple verses right there. But there is proof, again, that you can be simultaneously in the, in the earthlies and the heavenlies at the same time in by way and in the way of the spirit. Because that word there is capitalized. Spirit. God's spirit. I was in the spirit by on the Lord's day, which meant that he was actually called up into a realm in which he was that he was present in, yet while he was present in the earth. There, John did not physically leave the island of Patmos and travel a sojourn into a reality of heaven. No, he was simultaneously in both places at one time. Paul did say, however, that he may not be with that. He was writing the letter, I think it was to the Colossians or it was to in Ephesians 1. He says that though I be not, though I'm not be, though I am not with you geographically, he said, I am with you in spirit. So therefore you can be in the spirit in two places simultaneously at the same time. Okay? Because Jesus can be everywhere all the time at the same time. Okay? And I'm going to show you some scripture in here that that, that alludes to that. Uh, that will be again in uh, Ephesians chapter one. I'm going to read that from the NLT. Okay, Ephesians one verse twenty three. And the church is His body; it is filled by Christ, who fills everything everywhere with His presence. Okay, let me ask you this. And I know, and I know we're not here to talk about the triune God or the, uh, the Trinity, but and it's a rhetorical question. I'm just, I, want, I want to uh, have some thought-provoking statements out there. Who is the Holy Spirit? Well, okay, who is the Holy Spirit? He is, Holy Spirit, He is the uh, third person in the, the Trinity. I should have asked, what is the Holy Spirit? 
Because the who would be in reference to the identity, and he is in and of himself, not God, not the Son, but he is. He is not the Father, not the Son, but he is as much God as they are, okay? I believe that the Holy Spirit is what it is, the presence of Jesus. Going all the way back to the Garden of Eden, I believe that the Garden of Eden was the presence of Jesus and that Adam had permission by way of the Spirit to walk in the presence of Jesus. No matter where he went, no matter where his foot tread, he was walking in the presence of Jesus. But you've got to understand, what causes me to walk to the right or to the left and not walking in the straight and the narrow, which is the presence and the guiding Spirit of Jesus, it is the will and the mind of self will cause you to turn one way or the other that will cause you then to walk out of the presence of Yeshua. Then that makes you susceptible to the attack of the enemy. That's why the snake or the serpent or Satan crept in and slivered in and then beguiled his wife Eve. Okay? I don't have time to go back into all that. We've talked, we, we, I especially touched on that a couple of months ago that if he had been in the will of God doing what it was God had created him to do without the motives of self he would have never gave way for the enemy to creep in and beguile his wife because he had an, he had he had a duty and an obligation and it should not be called an obligation husbands do never call your don't ever call your wife an, uh, an obligation call her a pleasure and a privilege what I really should have said right there. Thank you for correcting me, Holy Spirit. He had a duty to tend the garden, which was the presence of Jesus. And he also had a duty that was equivalent in most cases to tending the presence of his wife. We find that when the fall came into the garden, that Adam was doing neither of those two things. Boom. So, the Holy Spirit, I believe, what is the presence of Jesus? I believe that the Holy Spirit is a separate entity when it comes to the triune or the trinity of God. But when we are walking in the Spirit, we're walking in the presence of God, the presence of heaven. And Jesus is the fullness of the Godhead bodily, which means that he is the fullness of the tri trinity and the triune God. He's the fullness and the Holy Spirit. When we feel the Spirit, we've got to understand that we are being, we are. We are receiving permission to walk in his presence. This is, we, we, this is how, this is the way we've done church. My God, the Holy Spirit showed up. He should have never had to show up. That indicates if he showed up that we walked out somewhere. Amen. Amen. Man, uh, Jesus was in the house today. If Jesus showed up in the house today, it actually means that he never left. It actually means that you've done something that caused you not to be able to acknowledge and be aware and sensitive to his presence. I'm, I'm really sick and tired and aggravated and frustrated with the way that we do church. Man, Holy Spirit, I hope you show up. No, 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 no. Even, even when I fail, I get up and turn around and say, don't leave me, Holy Spirit. Look at what Adam said in Psalms 51. <coughs> David, a man after God's own heart, 
more than all of you and myself included put together in one day. But he knew that when he messed up, he needed to get himself in right position and by way of a posture of devotion and say, Holy Spirit or the presence of God, come back to me when it says that he was in the presence of God. There is no word in the Old Testament for presence. It is only the word Paul name which actually means face. And it is coming out of what I call Midway 2018 that there is a posture and there is a place that man has to get back to. And it is now at the face of God, not one day, not standing at an altar saying one day when you appear. It is not one day when he appears because to say that he is coming would be indicative that he left. And the Bible is clear that he must go to the Father, Jesus but he will pray of the Father and send it another comforter by way of the name Holy Ghost. So the Holy Spirit has got to be absolutely the presence of Jesus, which is indicative to the fact that he never left. I told a few weeks ago that the, what, 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 what is uh, the appearance or uh, for me to return this building would then first <coughs> require me to leave it. But for me to reappear only means that you cannot perceive me. And for me to then appear would be by way of how you then perceive me. So listen, if I walk into that room out there and shut the door, I'm not gone. Amen? But when I open the door and allow you to perceive me, I then reappeared in your presence. Hmm? So God, let me say, Jesus never actually left. And it was a mistake for the church to start operating in the belief that he did. Because when we operated in the belief that he lived, we then started operating in a fallacy or a falsehood that says we need to, we need to, we just need to hang out. We need to go through the motions and act like we're going to church and act like we're doing things and pretend like we're doing things. And hopefully when he comes back, he'll find us in church. I'm probably a, a, a broad statistic, but I'm going to say that there's a good majority of the people uh, that will not make it in the rapture, so-called rapture, uh, if Jesus returns on, say, like a Thursday and not a Sunday. Because the only time they prepare themselves to get right for the presence of the Lord is right before they come through the doors of the church they regularly attend or irregularly attend. It doesn't really matter. But let me, let me throw this little nugget at you. I, I don't live my life in preparation of his return. I live my life in preparation that I walk in his presence continually every day. Amen. 
Because you I, mean, I, I, I don't want to be, listen, I don't want to be caught off guard by the reappearing of Jesus. I want to say, I've seen you the whole time. And he walked with me and he talked with me and he said, I am his own. I'm not, you know, I, I don't know about all of this, uh, the, the sky opening up and the trumpets. And that's okay. But I don't want to be caught off guard and I don't want to be stricken with fear when I hear all of this going on because I'm going to say, I, it didn't catch me off guard, Jesus. I, I've been with you the whole time. I want to live my life today, now, in the same reality that is yet to come. I believe, I believe, I believe I can fly. No, I believe that I can have heaven now in this earth in the same capacity that I will obtain it when I am face to face with Jesus on his throne. Because see, while he is on his throne, he is still yet in my dirt. I'll go as far as say he's even in my essence because man was created out of the dust of the earth. He is in my dirt and therefore he is in my DNA. I'm going to go, listen, I'm just throwing out a lot of thought-provoking things here this morning. You know how I am. I know most people probably listen to us and say, he's not preaching the Bible down there. No, actually I am. If you want to talk about it, well, I'll show you in the Bible and the scriptures where what I'm saying is nothing new. It's actually in, in, in very close relation to what Paul and Peter and all them were saying too. If Jesus is in my DNA because if he is simultaneously in heaven, but he is also in, and also in my dirt, and dirt is actually the makeup of who I am in essence, and he in his his presence is in my DNA, my genetic makeup. So therefore I am supposed to be what? An image bearer walking after the image and the likeness of Jesus, the fullness of the Godhead bodily. You still with me? Amen. So why would something that I'm supposed to look like scare me when it appears? If I am supposed to look like Jesus, and the Bible is adamant that I was created to look like Jesus, walk like Jesus, talk like Jesus, pray like Jesus, preach like Jesus, love like Jesus, and everything else like Jesus, then when Jesus shows up to claim his bride, why should I be astounded and in awe when I look just like him and he looks just like me? Hmm? Everybody, everybody. I was not surprised when all four of my kids come out looking like me. Hmm? Right, Brandy? Hmm? She still tries to find us. She's mad at me still. She said no. Yeah, I didn't hear that. They look like me, they talk like me, they walk like me, they listen like her. I need to pause this and let y'all have a moment. Oh, no, no, no. We get it all out in the air. We're faithful here. <clears throat> <laughs> huh? Oh, yeah, you, may not, you may not be faithful with Joe Schmo. Uh, there's only 13 people listening to the podcast, and I say 12 of them probably in this room. So we all fail. We don't fail. Okay, where was I at? 
simultaneously now, now and yet to come, is actually the, the same uh, the same dispensation, or I'm going to say same dimension. Because like I said earlier, this seat, when we had the chair pulled out here, this seat of submission was actually the same seat as the seat of mercy. Jesus is seated on the mercy seat. We were seated in the submission seat or the submissive seat, and yet they were one and the same because simultaneously as I sat in this seat, I was then promoted to that seat, okay? As he is in heaven, so are we in this earth. So therefore, we have got to understand that there's simultaneous realities. The reality of earth and the reality of heaven, but the reality of earth is supposed to be, by way of the Bible, the same reality in the earth. Okay, and teach us how to pray, Lord. This is all review. When you pray, pray like this, our Father who art in heaven, which means that he's there, right? He's in a reality in a realm called heaven. Hallowed be thy name. Praise his name. Lift up his name. Consecrate his name because he's worthy. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, which is where? It's got to be in heaven. Because there is where he is seated. Thy kingdom come and thy will be done. Both things be done on earth as it is in heaven. So my reality is supposed to mirror his. But we have went so far the wrong way that it's hard for us to perceive those two realities being one and the same because we have taught them, preached them, and we have received and perceived them as one glad morning when this life is over. I'll fly away in the morning. No. But, 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 but his word says that his mercies are renewed every morning. So I believe that if it says that, it means that I can walk in his presence every morning that he gives me the mercy or shows mercy upon me to awaken me from my slumber. He awakens me from my slumber so that I would be awakened in his presence by way of his spirit. I don't believe that one glad morning when this life is over, then I'll get to experience the presence of Jesus. I believe and he walks with me and he talks with me and he says I am his own. I believe that when I wake up, he has woken me up so that that day he can walk by my side. He Listen, I, I am living that him. I am living that he walks with me and he talks with me and he says that he is my own. I'm not living one glad morning because I'm not living to die. I was born again to live forever. I'm telling you, listen, you hear it? To he who has a heart to hear, an ear to hear, let him hear. I'm telling you that if you begin to listen to his voice, his voice will then begin to wake you up in the midnight hour because he has something he wants to share with you. You ever wake her up in the middle of the night because you had something on your mind that you wanted to share and she's the first person that comes to you? She, she better be the first person you confide in. He better be the first person you share your heart with. You can't share your bed with someone if you can't share your heart with them. Hmm? Maybe, maybe, just maybe, that's why... That's why 56% of our marriages are failing because we won't share our heart with the one that we want to share our bed with. No, no. Mm -hmm. So if you give your heart to Jesus, Jesus will then begin to wake you up and share his heart with you. Come on. 
You want those conversations? Do you want those conversations? Do you want me to be the only one in here on Sunday morning talking about Jesus waking me up in the midnight hour and sharing his heart with me? Why? Because I don't want you to be envious of me. I don't want you to be jealous of me, not that I'm saying that you will, but I don't want to be the only one that comes in here on Sunday morning and say, God woke me up and begin to share his heart with me. And Jesus woke me up and began to share his vision with me. I want Jesus to wake you up and begin to share with you what it is he thinks about you. Hmm? I don't want to be the only one that comes in here on Sunday morning and says, I was driving down the road. Just tears started streaming down my face because the word of the Lord came to me in such a profound way. He began to speak into my spirit and speak into my heart. And this is what thus saith the Lord. And I believe that it, it, it pertains and, and I believe that it is, is applicable to what we're walking in now and where we're going to, uh, to come. I believe I don't want to be the only one that says, I hear the voice of God because I, I listen. You remember what I said a few weeks ago? I'm suspect that any sermon or any man that preaches that never that never alludes to the Lord, the Lord spoke to him. Hmm? They can preach the Bible through and through, but they never allude to any personal conversation or relationship that they have with Jesus. They never allude to any kind of personal devotion that they have with Jesus. They never, they never, they never talk about a conversation that they had with Jesus while they were driving down the road and they thought that they were alone. But Jesus filled the essence of the cab of their vehicle and he began to talk to them and he began to share heavenly sacred secrets with them. I'm suspect to a preacher that never reveals to his congregation that the Lord has spoken to him. <coughs> okay, want to go a little bit easier here but it concerns me to talk to a Christian that never had a conversation with Jesus either hmm? because Jesus says my sheep know me and that they recognize my voice hmm? you know here's, here's a little here's a little nugget for you that the Lord kind of shared with me uh, here as of late, uh, I've been known to talk to myself a lot. He said, well, are you really talking to yourself? Hmm? Because I, I, most of you had heard me tell this story. I was sitting here on a Monday night, and I was praying, and I was actually praying out loud. And all of a sudden, this, this, this revelation came to me, and I jumped up and started to run to the table that was over there. And uh, as, as I got right about here, I stopped, and I said, Wait. Was that you or me? And the Lord softly rebuked me. He said, I don't know, you tell me. Aren't you the one who's been preaching uh, that you should walk so close to me and be so close in proximity with me that you actually begin to share my thoughts and begin to declare my word into the, the into the earthly realities? Aren't you the one that has been preaching that you should be so close in the relationship with me that, that, that all of creation would find it difficult to find any difference in you and me? That, they, that, that the essence of humanity and everything that has been created would look at you and be confused that even when you spoke and say, is that Seth or is that God? So are you, are you confused or are you doubting? So if you're talking to yourself, it's quite possible that you're not talking to yourself. It's quite possible that you're not talking at all. It's God talking in and through you. I said, fair enough, and I wrote it down. Uh, some years later, I was listening to a podcast, and they were talking about a man named Dutch Sheets, which I, you know, I, there, was, there was a little while that I 
talk out of one of his books here for a long time on intercession. Uh, very, very, very respectable man in the ministry. And uh, they, uh, and, and he, had, he tells a story about having a similar experience. And he says that one day he heard something from the Lord and he thought it was really good. And he said, wait a minute. Was that you or me? And the Lord spoke and said it was us. Hmm? Are, are you with me? So, so you got to understand, listen, if you will, he wants you to receive every blessing that was already fulfilled and accomplished on that cross. He wants you to receive it, but he's got to change your mindset so that you can perceive it accurately and correctly. Hmm? Let me give you another bow hunting analogy. If everything is not lined up, if if your forehand is not lined up with your shoulder, and the shoulders do not line up with one another, and your elbow and your and, and your backhand do not line up with everything else, and your eyes do not line up with the sights and the tip of the arrow, everything else, everything within the process of that shot has got to line up perfectly if you want it to hit accurately downrange. So you have got to understand if we want to receive our blessing and we got to we want to receive our healing, then God has got to align our heart with our eyes so that our eyes and our heart can then perceive it differently and we can then receive the blessing that has already been projected towards us. Hmm? It was now. For a day yet to come, okay? Let's explain it to me again. What if a man that gets cancer in 2018, where does his healing come from? It came from the cross, which was then now, but that now was for a day yet to come, and the day has come. Now is healing. Come on, somebody. Am I the only, I know I'm not the only one to get it, I don't even need to ask that, but I, I, you know, I, so, am I the only one to, I heard a new word for 2019, it's called extra. to uh, describe somebody that goes a little bit above and beyond. That may be me. I may be a little bit much, a little bit more extra in how I, I, I preach. But I, I, I receive it. I, I think I receive it because I'm perceiving it. I don't think that what I'm giving you is a fun fairy tale, man. I really believe, I believe this. Come on, say, say something. I believe. I believe what you're saying about me. Do you say that I'm healed? Absolutely, he says that you're healed. And I believe it. Does he say you're restored? Absolutely, and I believe it. Does he say that he has reclaimed you? Absolutely, and I believe it. Does he say that, that he has brought reconciliation upon you? Absolutely, and I believe it. It's how we believe, perceive, and receive. I, I, I preached that when I was just a little bitty young uh, lad in the ministry. And believe, perceive, and receive. You gotta believe it. You gotta perceive it. Those two things coming together will make you receive it. You know what? You know what's gonna here let me get I'm just preaching nuggets this morning, huh? Does anybody remember the statement that I made that said revival will come by way of the man that will stop and gaze into the heavenlies? And get so homesick for where he was created that he will not move 
but yet he will not stop at anything until he makes the reality of that home the reality of this home in the earth. If you can stop and gaze into the heavens and believe that that's where you were created for, nothing on this earth will ever appease you until it begins to look and feel like that which you perceive in the heavens. Is there anger in that reality? No. Is there depression in that reality of heaven? No. Is there anxiety? No. Is there cancer? No. Is there diabetes, Alzheimer's, dementia? No. Is there paraplegic people in that? No. Is there autism? Absolutely not. Down syndrome? No. Nothing, listen to me here, and I don't mean this to be derogatory, but nothing is in the will of God that hinders you from being fulfilling your destiny. Your destiny is to look like Jesus in every aspect of your life. Everything that we are and who we are was created and placed in order so that when people peer into our lives, they begin to see a reality that is nothing like their reality because we're walking in a reality that is not of this earth but is from heaven and therefore we have got in a place to where he has answered that your kingdom come and your will be done in my earth as it is in your heaven. There's no difference in his heaven and my earth. The only thing that separates us may be duration of time. My reality. My reality is determined by schedules, calendars, and time. None of the three which have any effect on his reality. Hmm? With that being said, you only have six months to live, not according to his reality. Okay? Sometimes, sometimes we can hinder his now by demanding it now. Hmm? But we still have to be able to see clear enough to understand that that is now, but maybe a time yet to come. Am I confusing anybody? Hmm? Okay, let me explain it this way. If I'm standing on the top of a mountain in a dry, desolate season, but I peer into the distance and see a cloud coming, will I demand that cloud to be where I am right now? Or will I begin to be fueled with hope that says, it is not exactly here in my now, but it is now. And my now and that now are a time yet to come. That cloud is going to come and it is going to quench the thirst of my circumstance and my environment. If I can get atop the mountain and say, I see my healing 
in the distance, yet the distance is not that far at all. The distance is actually very near to me. And my now and that now will come together simultaneously in a time yet to come. I'm going to stand here and I'm going to wait upon the Lord and he will renew my strength. And yes, I will mount up on wings as of eagles and I will run and not be weary and I will walk and I will not faint because my now and that now are closer than they were before. Come on. December the 22nd, I taught the hill behind my house. I'm going back to December the 23rd, uh, the, some of the sermon notes. I peered down at the ground and saw a walnut hole. I picked it up and held it in my hand as I thought to myself, useless and dead. But then Yahweh interjected my thoughts as he said, except the corn of wheat fall into the ground and die, it abideth alone. But if it die, it bringeth forth much fruit. John chapter 12, verse 24. He went on to say, you see the hole, but I know the very tree that came that became of this very hole. You said useless and dead of. You haven't the eyes to see the life beyond the grave. And to bring that up to volume, I guess. The Lord spoke to me and said, this chair that we come to in surrender and that chair where Jesus is seated at the right hand of the throne of God are one and the same. And he said, what do you see? I said, I see a chair. He said, you see it wrong. I said, well, how do I see it wrong? He said, that is actually a grave. He said, that is where you come to die and the old self is done away. And behold, all things are created new because in that moment, in that now, I am in Christ. And Christ is the resurrected one, the one that was dead, but he lives forevermore. And if his reality was once he was dead, but he lives forevermore, then that reality is also mine that once I was dead, but I live forevermore because I was crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live yet not I, but Christ that liveth in me and the life that I now live. I live by the faith of the one who loved me and gave himself for me, and his name is Yeshua. His now and my now are coming closer together. Makes sense? Amen. Makes sense to me. Though you held within your hand the old decaying hole, I hold within my heart the legacy that lives. I see the living among what you see, the dead. I see beyond what you can. You could never identify the tree that, that now exists from what once was. It's a new creation, and I've ordained it. I knew the plans I had and the dreams I've drank for, for it. I've foreseen its future. I've foreseen its hope. What do you see? I see a forest, I answered to the Lord. And do you not realize that every tree within that forest was once an insignificant seed that fell upon the ground, then died, yet rose again by way of transformation and resurrection? If any man be in Christ, 2 Corinthians 5 and 17, he is alive and rooted. 
He is a new creature. And all things are passed away. Are is indicative to now. Not where. Old things are passed away. Not old things were passed away. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. The word are is indicative to now. Not past and not future. Now. Old things were done away. Old things will come to pass. His now and my now are coming closer and closer together. Christ was a faith seed. The Father planted him within the earth to die, but through the power of the resurrection to resurrect, to, to, of the resurrection to resurrect, revive, regenerate a legacy of sons and daughters in the earth. My dad says often that Christ is the tree of life, and I say indeed. Colossians 2 and 7 says, Rooted and built up in him and established in the faith as ye have been taught, abounding therein with thanksgiving. And let's see. Do I really want to say that? Do I want to say that? Right, we'll go on. Okay. Now, and, and I'm just laying some groundwork and we're going to go over here in just a minute and uh, just pray that I don't decide to come back tonight at 6 o'clock or 7.30. 7, 7, let's, let's just say. I kind of feel like uh, I don't want to. I don't want to leave so much space in between now and then because I want the nows to come together. Amen. Hallelujah. How about that thing? Okay. I told you that the Lord asked me about what do I see. He explained the hole, the walnut hole, and how the walnut hole was not really a walnut hole because that was its then, but its now is actually a tree whereby it produces more walnut holes that are not actually walnut holes, but they were they were created with with the intention to become trees because that's rooted legacy. Rooted legacy just begins to expand and it gets so to the point to where you can't look, when you look into the expanse of the forest, you can't see where it actually originated from. It just is. Okay? Good, good, good. So then the Lord says to me, he said, what do you hear? I said, I hear waters. He said, that's exactly right. He said, where do they come from? I said, from within the mountain. From within the depths of the mountain. He said, that's right. He said, that's the only way. He said, because I stopped the rain three days ago. Streams begin to pour out of the crevices of the rocks within the mountains. And they begin to come collectively together. And they begin to produce bigger streams. And they went down and produced bigger rivers. And they all made the same noise. And they all came into unity. And the Lord began to ask me, he said, he said, Actually, I had done walk back to the top of the mountain and got my fuller and was driving down the mountain back home because I, we were coming. I think we were coming here that evening for the Christmas dinner. And, and all of a sudden, uh, he, he spoke to me again. Just like, like he didn't forget something, but I had forgot to ask him a question. So he, he then began to uh, reiterate the conversation. He said, it sounds refreshing, doesn't it? I said, it does. And I began to, I, I began to just, just kind of laugh with joy and weep with joy all at the same time because I knew exactly what the Lord had meant. And he was actually referring to Acts chapter 3, uh, Acts chapter 3, verse 19. 
Acts chapter 3 verse 19 says, Repent ye therefore and be converted that your sins may be blotted out when the times of refreshing shall come from the presence of the Lord. <clears throat> Lord, I pray that you help me bring this cross as adequately as I have received it. <clears throat> the Lord asked me while I was on top of the mountain, he said, what has the mountain done in and of itself to produce the streams and the forest? I said, absolutely nothing. And the Lord said to me, said, if my people would just receive within them what I pour out upon them, what I pour out upon them will be within them, and what is within them will then begin to, to pour out from within them. So thus, out of your belly shall flow rivers of living waters. So if Jesus, who comes down from heaven, it, the, Paul, Paul says this in Ephesians chapter 4. I'm going to read from the NLT. I know I'm probably just jumping back and forth and confusing y'all half to death. But chapter 4, verse 10 says, the same one who came down, say came down with me, is the one who ascended higher than all of the heavens, common, so that his rule might fill the entire universe. You've got to understand that there is a day that is coming, and I believe that it's closer now than ever, and that this now and that now is going to merge and be the same reality of now. In, in the book of Habakkuk, it says that the knowledge of the glory of the Lord shall fill the earth as the sea, as the waters do cover the seas. The seas do nothing of themselves, exert no strength of themselves to be wet. They're just wet because of the nature of what it is. The seas are wet, and they are waters that does nothing. Those that receive the knowledge of the glory of Yeshua will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of Yeshua. And they will be filled so much to the point that the knowledge of the glory of Yeshua will begin to exude from them. They will emit the presence and the glory of God. What did Ephesians say? So that he would feel everything everywhere with his presence. Okay, let me share this with you. His presence has covered the earth and it is now. But we have failed to perceive the reality of his presence covering the earth. And that is a time yet to come. But that now and his now are coming closer together. That when the moment arrives that we perceive that the earth is covered in the knowledge of the, Lord, of the glory of our Lord, there will break out a revival that you cannot contain, that no one contain, and it will come to the point so much that you can't contain it, that you can't, you can't claim it either. Nobody can point to this church or that church or that man and say, God sent revival through them. God sent revival through one man and one man only. And his name was Yeshua. And until we perceive that revival came in the context of death, a man dying out to self. We will never bring revival. We will never host and we will never usher in revival when we think that we can do it all by way of ourselves. The greatest revival I declare that will ever sweep through this region will never be able to be attached to a man other than Jesus. It will never have an attachment to a church, a congregation. It will never have an attachment to a worship band. It will never have an attachment to anything that has anything to do with the man other than 
Christ. So my nugget is to anyone that may listen to this, stop trying. And lay it down. Come on. Position yourself and posture your waiting in a, in a place of devotion that you would receive within you what he pours atop you or upon you. What were they doing in the upper room? They were tearing. What does tearing mean? It actually means they were waiting. They were not out taking the streets by storm. They were waiting to receive from heaven. Hmm? What happened when the 120 in the upper room received what the Lord sent from heaven? They received it and it began to take them into the other parts of the world. And they then allowed what was within them to come from within them. And it then began to permeate the environment. See, well, if, if you are saturated with something, there is, if by way, no way of your own, you begin to leave a residue. If I jumped in a river and sat in your car, your car seats would be wet. I would drip. Everywhere I step would be the residue of what I was in. So if what I'm in is actually in me, come on somebody, greater is he that is in me than he who is in the world. If what is what I am in is actually in me, by way of what is in me, then I will then cause, not me, but what is in me, will cause an influence and an impact in this earth. So Jesus first had to come down, according to Paul in Ephesians 4, chapter verse 10. Jesus came down and filled the earth. Hmm? But did we perceive it? Absolutely not. Why? What was John chapter 1 say? That, that he was the life of men and in the life of men. And in, 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 in this life was the life of men, should I say. Anyway, however, he was the life and he was the light. But it says that he came into the darkness and the darkness comprehended it not. So it's how we perceive him. It's how we perceive his reality. Determines whether or not or how we receive his reality. He came into the earth with his reality with him. But the people that did not receive him or perceive him as the son of God did not receive him as the son of God. And because they did not receive him as the son of God, they were not received as sons of God themselves. So, so really, what we what we obtain from heaven actually has is actually indicative of how we perceive him and his heaven. The, 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 oh, let me see where do we want to go here. The word for refreshing is actually anopsis, and the word anopsis actually means uh, cooling. It means refreshing. And it comes from the word anopsuko, which actually means to revive one's spirit. To revive one's spirit. Let me read it from my notes. Refreshing is anopsuksis. Anopsuksis actually translates a cooling or literally refreshing. 
It comes from the word anapsuko, which actually means to cool again, to cool off, recover from the effects of heat, or to refresh one's spirit, or to recover one's breath, to simply revive. So there is a day, and I believe it's also now, because the kingdom of God is at hand, but the kingdom of God is now. That when Peter rose up and said this, repent ye therefore and be converted that your sins may be blotted out. When the times of refreshing shall come from what? The presence of the Lord. So I believe that we have to understand that when Jesus came down to feel everything everywhere, the NLT actually says the universe. <coughs> That he will fill the universe with his presence. He came down so that the earth would receive it. In the same way as the mountain positions itself to receive the rains that come from heaven. And they receive within them what God pours out upon them. And as a consequence of them receiving what God pours out upon them within them. It flows out and through them. And there is another consequence of everything down way receiving the blessings that was received upon the mountain. That's why I believe that it's significant for men of God especially in this church, myself primarily, to go to the head of this hall and begin to pray for God's blessings so that everything in its path receives, receives the favor and the grace of God. That I begin to pray not only for this church, but everything in the radius of whatever God determines in this church, that He will begin to send blessings as it rains down, as though the rain falls upon the earth, so will His blessings. And favor fall upon this region. Come on. His presence has never left. It's all determined on how we perceive it. But I believe that according to the epistle of John. That it is unclear of yet what we will be when he returns. But when he returns we will be like him. Actually it translates that we have the same appearance. Okay come up here us, Jason. We can look at myself and look at Jason and every one of us can safely determine that we have a different appearance. I'm fat, he's skinny. I got hair, he's bald. I said I was fat. <laughs> he walks different. He talks different. We have a different appearance, right? Not so within the church of the Christ. You gotta understand what this means. That when he appears, we appear, but we share the same appearance, which means we share the same look. We share the same visual. We share the same attributes. We share the same character. We share the same conducts. But right now it's unsure, even though it is as much now as it ever was. But it isn't yet a time yet to come. But when we perceive him clearly, it is clear what we shall be.
becoming a now. That we will be receptive of that which he sends from the heavens. And when we receive that which he sends from the heavens, it will then permeate within the essence of our being. And then as a consequence of it permeating within us, the consequence of it then will be it pouring out of us. Thus out of our belly shall flow rivers of living waters. Everything must come together collectively to perform a river or to, to everything must come to, co together collective, collectively that don't sound right, does it? <laughs> huh? I'm probably creating some words there. Everything, all these streets have got to come together collectively to create a river. It's a good word, better than one I had. Create a river. And what happens when everything comes together to create a river? Nobody then sees what came together to create a river. They just see the river. Come on. When everything comes together collectively to create a river, no one then sees what came collectively to create a river. They only see the river because the river becomes mighty in stature. And come on. The presence of God is beginning to permeate within the essence of the church again. And the presence of Christ that is permeating within the essence of the church again is going to begin to be released into the community. And there will be a knowledge of the glory of God that will cover the earth as do the waters cover the seas. Come on, somebody. Come on, let me share this with you and I'm going to let you go. We don't want to go. If you go back to Ephesians chapter 4 and I'm going to let you go with this scripture. I'm going to go back to verse 7. I'm going to read until I just decide I'm going to stop. Chapter 4 in Ephesians, verse 7. But unto every one of us is given grace according to the measure of the gift of Christ. Uh, wherefore, he said, when he ascended upon high, he led, captive, cap he led captivity captive and gave gifts unto men. Now that he ascended, what is it but that he also descended first into the lower parts of the earth? But he that descended is the same also that ascended up far above all heavens, that he might fall, that he might feel all things. Uh, the the living translation says it this way, and I, I kind of I like that. Verse ten says. The same one that who came down is the one who ascended higher than all of the heavens so that his rule might fill the entire universe. Okay, there's, I mean, here, here's, me and dad had a conversation the other day about rain, and I want to go a little bit further into that, uh, hopefully next Sunday. But you got to understand that uh, uh, what came down will eventually go up in the process of rain. Now, I'm going to talk about gravity. What goes up must come down. The rain falls, it fills the earth, and then it ascends back into the heavens. 
So there, there, there is a continual, a continual reality of Jesus never leaving but leaving. Because his essence is the same as it is ascended and as, it's, as it descends. Jesus never changes. So though Jesus is in heaven, so are we in this earth. Actually means that Jesus is the same here too. So all. Okay. That he might feel all things. Say feel. feel. you got to understand there's got to be a process of something being feel. What is, if I, okay, is this water bottle full? Okay. Is this water bottle full? The answer is no to both because if this one was full, then there would be absolutely no room for anything else, including air. It would actually be overflowing. For anything to actually be full, it has to overflow. So when Jesus fills the earth, the earth actually in, 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 in essence overflows with his presence. Come on, somebody. Come on. This is, a, this is a lot heavier. This is heavy, man. <laughs> Verse 11. He gave some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and some teachers. Now, I'm going to go. I've had people actually say that there was no need for the, that the apostolic age ended. I've even had people say that the, that, that, that the gifts of the spirit haven't ended, but the apostolic age has ended. So I don't know where they come up with that. How does the apostolic age end? But speaking in tongues is still in you know in, in use today. Whatever. But anyway, I, I'm going to prove that both of those are wrong. And he gave some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some teachers or pastors and some teachers for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, till or until. We all come in the unity of faith and the knowledge of the Son of God unto a perfect man, unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Salah. Until we all come together in the unity of faith and the knowledge of the Son of God, who unto a perfect man and unto the measure, that is us, that we have got to come into the reality of the perfect measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ until we become so full and overflowing with the measure of Christ that we fulfill the stature of the fullness of Christ until we look, sound, and even smell like Jesus. There will always be a need for the apostolic, the prophetic, the evangelist, the pastor, and the teacher. Because those have grace ministries, according to the Passion Translation, to bring every person into the unity of faith and to the unity of the knowledge of Jesus as the Son of God. There are people that don't believe Jesus is the Son of God. Therefore, we must add the apostolic. Period. Now, what happens here? I told you earlier that those that come collectively together to... Uh, to form, not perform, I said perform, but I mean form, or create the river. When, when nobody ever looks and sees those things that come collectively to form the river, they just see the river because the river is a mighty, mighty force. And it doesn't matter that if it's a trickle or if it's a three-foot stream or if it's as big as the Clear Fork or if it's as big as the Guyane or if it's as big as the Mississippi, it does not matter. Every drop of water contributes to the river. Till we all come in the unity of the faith of the knowledge of the Son of God unto a perfect man, unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, until the river called Jesus is full. 
until the river called Jesus is full. The rain will continue that the contributaries may swell up and rise. That the mountains may receive what it is God poured down upon. And when I talk about the mountains, I'm talking primarily and specifically about the Appalachian Mountains and primarily and significantly about the ones that run through West Virginia. And I'm going to go back and look, but Chuck Pierce gave a prophecy uh, regarding the mountains in West Virginia and the running some years ago that the Lord has just bring me back to my remembrance here. And I want to go back and see where this lines up with what the Lord spoke to Chuck Pierce. Because I believe that when we receive the rain, listen. <clears throat> come on now, one more. Let's just leave it there, okay? Just leave it there. I'm going to leave it there. I'm going to come back next Sunday. I'm going to finish this if it's for his will, but I mean, probably, I, no, I probably won't finish it. But we got to start viewing things that are happening in in the spiritual or in the natural and see how they correlate with what God is doing in the spiritual. You want to, let me share something with you and I'm going to let you go. As 2018 came to an end and 2019 came to an open, I shared with some uh, 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 some of, of, of the uh, <coughs> some of the family in this church that it's very significant that we have a road sign now. Because listen to this statement that I just made. We've got to understand that that what God is doing, that what is what we perceive in the natural, <clears throat> will somehow correlate with what God is doing in the spiritual. So when God is sending natural rain, He is actually in the in, in also in the process of sending a spiritual rain that is actually for a a, a cause. It's actually for uh, a future now. Two nows coming together. So what God does in the natural. Is always symbolic to what God is doing in the spiritual. And if he's doing it in the spiritual, he's trying to show you what he's doing in the spiritual by emulating it in the natural. And Jesus taught in parables all the time. He taught in things that you could relate to. This is why I think that we so confuse relational with seasonal. He speaks to us through relational, uh, relational subjects and matters. And we mistake that for seasonal subjects and matters. But this, this is significant. Our road sign says Laurel Branch, uh, Laurel Branch Road, 704. That's very significant because the Lord spoke to me. He said that's very significant because you're right. What I'm doing in the natural is actually symbolic to what I'm doing in the spiritual. What I'm doing in the spiritual will have a, will have a, <clears throat> what I do in the spiritual will consequently, it will consequently uh, affect the natural. That's, I got all tongue twisted. What I'm doing in the spiritual will consequently also affect the natural. Seven over four is symbolic because seven is God's perfect number, which is symbolic to, uh, to spiritual perfection. <clears throat> spiritual perfection and four is symbolic to earthly matters. So I'm telling you that the Lord spoke to me and he said, I'm getting ready to send. He said, I'm getting ready to show myself strong on the behalf of those that are in this earth. And my spiritual perfection will preside over earthly matters. <laughs> you know what the word preside means? It means it will rule over earthly matters. Let me give you the Merriam-Webster's dictionary uh, definition of presiding. To preside, to hold the position of authority, act as chairperson 
or president or to possess or exercise authority or control. I believe that the spiritual perfection of Yahweh is going to begin to have the authoritative control over the earthly matters that we encounter. Let it rain. Let it rain. The word of the Lord to me for another region in 2017 was let it rain. If they did not receive it, the Lord says, I'm moving it. I'm moving it. And if I have to move it south, what is going on in the, the natural will preside over what you face. What is going on in the, the, the spiritual will preside over what you are dealing with in the natural. Come on. Somebody say good. good. You believe the word of the Lord. Don't believe me, you won't receive it, I promise you. But I, I, you know, I'm, not, I'm not telling you that so that you'll go out and promote me. I'm telling you that because I really believe that God is speaking to me as he is speaking through me to you. And if you receive what thus saith the Lord, I believe you'll begin to see the spiritual perfection preside over the earthly matters in your own home. <clears throat> Come on. There's nothing of the earthly matter that will bring people to this church. But when the Lord presides over a house, <coughs> when the Lord presides over a house, I, I, so we, we all read that here. We use the same words for different meanings. <laughs> he resides in the house, but he presides over it. Come on. Everybody with me? You love the Lord? Amen. I love you. You love me? Amen. We're all in one happy family? No, okay, we're, come on in here, boy. We're, we're done. Let's, let's go to the Lord in prayer. Come on. God, today, as, as, as the word was that you reside in the house and you preside over the matters of the house, Lord, I pray that for every individual in this house this morning, God, that you will reside in their heart and you will preside over the, the matters of their life, Father, that you will begin to send spiritual perfection into their earthly matters, Lord. God, that you will begin to send spiritual rain in the way that you send physical rain and natural rain, Father God. God, that we will know that what you send when you send the rains, it is to soften the ground, that we will no longer perceive it as mud. That, God, when you send the rain and our tears begin to fall down our face, that we will no longer perceive it as weakness, but, God, that we will perceive it as your strength because the fear of the Lord comes in such a way. The fear of the Lord comes in such a way that it makes men tender and it makes women more nurturing, Father. And we just pray, God, for those gifts and those graces to be bestowed upon this house and the home that we call Laurel Branch Church of God. God, that our roadside will be significant of the things that you're beginning to do in the spiritual realm over our matters here, Lord God, that you will begin to send spiritual authority and perfection in the earthly matters of this home, God. God, that things that are decaying and dilapidating and falling down will be restored and resurrected. That you will send restoration and reclamation and regeneration, Lord God, in the form of revival, Lord God. That not only the body of Christ will be revived, but God, that our community and our region will be revived. That our territory, the landscape, Father God, will be revived. The wild game and the streams will be revived. Our mountains will be revived, Father. I pray, God, that where people have come and ravaged our resources, God. God, that those trees that have been cut down will begin to grow. They will begin to grow and they will stand tall. God, that the forest will reside within the mountains of West Virginia. 
That fish will reside within the streams of West Virginia again. Father God, that wildlife, God, that once lived here, that lived here no longer, will begin to reside again, Father God. And God, that your spirit above all else and your presence above all else, God, will begin to reside and preside over the earthly matters, God, within this region. Father God, the map says West Virginia, but God, I believe that your heart says beloved. The map says West Virginia, but I believe your heart says beloved. And I receive the word of the Lord today as it pertains to this church. I receive the word of the Lord today as it pertains to this family. I receive the word of the Lord today for those that may not receive it. I receive it for what you have spoken over this region. Father, I thank you, I praise you, and I glorify the name of your son Jesus. And it is in the name of that that it is the name of your son Jesus I pray today. Amen and amen. Our vision for the Rooted Legacy podcast is that we give as much free content to God's creation as possible. However, if you've been affected by God's word and would like to give, you can do so at Tithely Online or on the Tithely app. Just search Laurel Branch Church of God. Our address is Clear Fork, West Virginia 24822. That is Tithely.ly, T-I-T-H-E dot l y thank you for listening and may god bless you and all that you do today